Hi, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. On today's podcast, episode 89, my returning special guest is my dear friend, business strategist, and voice maven, Michelle Marquart DeVoe. We are talking about mindsets, growth mindset, money mindset, scarcity mindset all the mindsets. If you are invested in building your teaching studio and growing your business so that it serves you and the people you work with, this conversation is for you right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, teaching strategies and resources for voice teachers working with young singers. Now here's your host, Nikki Loney. Welcome back to the podcast, my dearest friend, business coach, and my sister from another mister, (laughs) Michelle Marquardt DeVoe. How are you? (laughs) Well, I have a terrible cold Mm. and I'm a a little in um, Dayquil and (laughs) kick-ass immunity booster land. So this is going to be a very, very off-the-cuff interview. (laughs) A very raw interview. But that's good because, I mean, how many of us are just like, we got to do the thing anyway? Yep. Well, how many of us have performed ill, taught ill? We just got to do it. Right. Just, I'm steaming. Mm -hmm. I'm strawing. I took a lot of DayQuil. And then, of course, all of my herbal remedies that whether they work or not, I don't care. I'm going to take them because they make me feel like they work. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I have been told to go off coffee for a little while, so I might not be. Never say that. I know. Isn't that horrible? I know. (laughs) We're not friends anymore until I'm caffeinated. Sorry. Okay. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am. I'm really excited. First of all, I love I love talking to you. I love the way you explain and bring business-related topics to the table, especially for us passionate creatives who uh, often don't want to think about these business-related things. And um, I also wanted to just say that when you are a guest on our podcast, I get so many great emails. Lots of people really, really? enjoy it. Yes. I should have probably told you oh, about that. Oh, <laughs> oh, that makes me feel happy. I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me that. Um, people want this information and they, and I personally, I, 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 uh, I think, I think teachers out there working their butts off, they need this information. So I'm so, yeah. I'm so happy to talk to you. And I love the way you make this relevant for our industry. Thank you. Now, today we're talking about money mindset. And, and, and you guys can't see this, but Michelle's doing like a little happy dance on happy the screen dance. here. Because... She loves this stuff, but I know, I know that there's people out there who just have shifted uncomfortably or perhaps are thinking mm-hmm. of listening to a different podcast because the topic can bring up some bad feelings. So yeah. can you maybe, can you maybe just, first of all, let's define what money mindset is and put it into place and then dive into this for, for all our listeners. Okay. We decided that for the purpose of this podcast, that money mindset was how you feel about 
money in general, mm-hmm. when the word money comes up, how you react to getting money, mm. how you react to spending money, and your feelings around people who do or do not have money. I just Ooh. added that at the end. We I had like not, that. Yeah, but I think it's really important. I just realized like that's a super important part. I think we should add that for this podcast. I would like to uh, talk about that. I think it's, we better write that down as we're going to forget that that's what we defined it as. Um, I know you think that we script these things, but no Nikki and I have such, I know we have such a good time just like that, that we kind of loosely outline and then are like, <laughs> let's see what happens. The magic, the magic. Um, I think it's important though, because like you were saying earlier, just in our brief talk was that it's like that's kind of a buzzword now. Yes, and um, it, and it can mean mindset, mi- scarcity yeah. mindset, mm. money mind. It's like mindset is it's turning into a buzzword, and that kind of make, can I just say that makes me sad because it is really, really an important thing. Like it's so important, right? Your outlook on life, the way that you take in information, process it, and then have information leave you that that is your mindset and mm-hmm. it is everything it's the difference between having a good day and a bad day True. it's the difference between and i don't mean ha- and positive mindset and positive like toxic positivity is not what we're talking about here mm-hmm. we're not talking about be positive at all costs we're talking about being so self aware with the self talk Mm. around money and then other things too, if it was a different, you know, different kind of mindset podcast, but for this specifically money, Mm -hmm. the self-talk and being just so deeply committed to that awareness Mm. that even when it gets uncomfortable, even when it gets scary and yucky and it starts to just bubble up all sorts of things that make you want to throw up, um, because that's real Mm -hmm. and I've experienced that. That you just, that you let it happen, you process it, you figure out where that came, comes from, what is the lie in the story you're telling yourself, what is the truth in the story you're telling yourself, and then behaving appropriately to honor yourself and others, right? I love what you just said there about honoring yourself and others, because when mm -hmm. we struggle with our money mindset, we, we don't relate well to others. I like what you just said there. I see it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it ha- it's very interesting because I, we, I say this in, in Speakeasy all the time, and I know you've heard me say this before, but it's like we will always, always, people will always speak to us about money from the place of their own pocketbook. Mm. So their relationship with money will always influence how they think you should be dealing with money. Okay, that's huge. I want to unpack that right there because that is one of the struggles that teachers have is when we have families or clients that complain about our rates, that has nothing to do with us. That is not not, and how personal we take that, right? That, Mm -hmm. That is such a big obstacle for so many of us. It's huge. And, you know, first of all, it's none of your business what people will and will not spend on you. Mm. 
Nice. That's not your, that's not your business. Your business is to create the most valuable thing out of your skill set, your experiences and your strengths that you can provide and then tell the world about it. So the person who wants exactly that will get it from you and Mm -hmm. pay you for it. Mm -hmm. Just like you want to get that in the services that you pay for or the products that you pay for. It's not. And so, you know, I, it's controversial in the music world specifically. I mean, this is all small business owners everywhere, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's controversial in the music world specifically because we have, you know, those stories or we have talk about money mindset. We have the starving artist. Mm -hmm. There's so much scarcity built into the musical and artistic life and not only scarcity, but kind of a badge of honor martyrdom thing Mm -hmm. where like if you really cared about music you would give it away for free if you really cared about art you would you know be panhandling on the street just so you could get your you know oils and your canvases and (laughs) and I've heard the I mean I've heard these things said out loud um, and, you know, it's also said, this is one of my favorite ones to see, like, cause we always talk about what's in the forum. So one of my favorite ones is I'm not a business owner. I'm just a teacher. Oh, and I'm like, Whoa, friend, because it's not, I mean, that's fine that you have that much passion about teaching, but the reality is you're not serving your, if you're an independent studio teacher or a voice related business owner, and you only think of yourself as that, you're doing a disservice to your clients because that means that's going to carry over into your customer service abilities. Of course it is. And I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Why do I say that? The point being is like your money mindset affects your clients, which inherently Mm -hmm. makes you maybe not as great of a service provider as you think you are. Mm Because just because you can teach a pentatonic scale... And solfa <laughs> does not necessarily mean that you know how to create a quality experience for your clients that will keep keep them coming back. Mm-hmm. Because people don't come for voice lessons. We're not selling voice lessons as as uh, mm. I know that I've said to you before. And scene. <laughs> I love that. I love everything you said there. And I one of the things I noticed when I changed my uh, um when I changed my policies, when I started to think about the bigger picture of what I was offering and how I was unique to other teachers locally. And by unique, I, I don't mean better. I just mean Never. unique. I, my, yeah. my colleagues do amazing things locally and I am super proud of them and I shout them out and I celebrate them, but my studio is different. And when I started to mm-hmm. think about all of the amazing things that I was offering and how I needed to package that to and and when I when I changed my policies which which was essentially for me and my family and my husband and to protect our income and our livelihood but it also it also allowed me to invest in more resources yes it also allowed me to use uh to um be able to use an amazing space so i now have basically an entire church a sanctuary a hall my offices because i could now then 
pay for mm-hmm. those spaces because it was part yes. of the tuition and also got internet for my for my families that wanted to come in and just work on their computers while their kids had their lessons. Like I created a much friendlier space by establishing and and a, a higher pay, first of all, a higher rate, uh, a tuition policy that worked for both me and my family. It really empowered me to go above and beyond for my students and their families. And at Christmas time, didn't have to eat rice and beans. Yeah, I, I mean, here's the deal. When we invest in ourselves and in our businesses, we inherently create a better environment for our clients and students inherently Mm -hmm. because we're not the stress related there there was a research article I read on this a couple probably a couple months ago that was about uh that was about the relationship of stress and money Mm. and how it is a huge stressor in today's culture and when we're not willing to do the deep work to get out of that stress cycle let me tell you, it is not going to matter how much money you make. Mm, you nice. can be mid six figures, you know, half a million dollars a year. You could be a seven figure business. You can be a 20,000 a year business. It is not going to matter if you do not deal with your core issues and identities and self-conversation around the Dallas. Now, I would love... For those people who are still kind of like, hmm, money mindset, can you give examples of a healthy money mindset or practices for someone with a healthy money mindset? Sure. So an example of a healthy money mindset is not worrying about where money comes from Mm. into your life. So not overly attaching Um, the influx of money to certain specific events. Ooh, okay. Uh, So oftentimes we freak out in terms of, let's say we're going to lose a student, Mm, right? That's big. And, And we immediately associate the loss of the student with a loss of income. And while on paper that is true, and we'll, you know, I know we're going to talk about that in another podcast, but it's to say that that money can only be made up by another student, mm. right? Like a tit for tat uh, shows that we are thinking very uh, linearly and inside a box of how money happens. Mm. And in the real world, that's not how money works. Money comes and goes. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is fluid. It is not something that is there or not there because Mm. there's always money everywhere. Like there's money everywhere, whether you like, you might not have a lot of it, but there's money everywhere Mm -hmm. and there's enough money everywhere. So getting caught up, that would be an example of a healthy mindset would be like, okay, well, I'm losing a student. I wonder what can I do? Or I wonder where that, that number will come from. 
maybe it will come from doing a couple workshops. Maybe it will come from another student. Maybe it will come because my aunt decided to just write me a check because she had some extra money and is nice. Mm. But this idea that it can only happen one way, which is closely tied to like fixed mindset, right? Like Mm. one way. Right. So a healthy mindset is money has left me, but money will also come to me and it's okay wherever it comes from. Hmm. Um, another example of a healthy money mindset would be understanding that, and this is kind of an old cliche, but really having a deep understanding of spending to make. Hmm. So we've, we've heard, you know, you got to spend money to make money. Yes. Well, that's true. Uh, and I think what happens is the he- the healthy mindset says, I am willing, able, and accept my responsibility as a business owner to spend money on my business in order to like put money out in order for money to come in. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Now, I'm not saying go be dumb and like get $75,000 million in debt over something that has nothing to do with your business. But if you are opening a multi-teacher studio, you can show on paper that your revenue has been in the 300,000s for the last three years and you want to get a $100,000 business loan in order to open that studio, do it. Hmm. When When you see that you have a profit margin that will cover the payback of that loan over 20 years at a fixed rate or whatever, Yeah, you do it. Yeah, you do it. Mm -hmm. Because you know that opening that space is going to double that $300,000 a year studio into a $600,000 a year studio. It's a no brainer. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's this idea, healthy money mindset looks at the numbers and says, I will output when I see and when I and I will input like I, I get it. I can make that happen. Sorry to interrupt, but I like what you pointed out there. Healthy money mindset means you look at the numbers. That <laughs> that's yeah. that's right there. Like you need to have that data before you can do that. And healthy money mindset means yeah. you're okay to get that raw data from your accountant or yeah. bookkeeper or whatever. Yeah, I let that was going to be my third point too. So that's a great segue. Is Another example of healthy money mindset is being able to look at numbers and have them be just numbers. Right. Not have them be wrapped up in your identity. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm a good person or I'm bad. I'm good doing a good job or I'm doing a bad job based on how much money I made. Mm-hmm. Or like I'm not valuable to my students or I am valuable based on the money mm-hmm. uh, only. There's a lot of reasons why people leave voice lessons and most of them have nothing to do with you. Ah, yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. Um, And then also just not just letting them be numbers, not letting them put a value of your worth. Mm. Or bring in in a false narrative that's just, again, your issues. Totally. Um, I think a healthy money mindset is one where fear is recognized immediately and then told to go sit down mm. when decisions need to be made, mm. right? So, you know, investing in a business coach, right. investing in new books for your studio right. in that you don't know about, investing in um, some a new piano, 
right. because your old, you know, your old one is not good. Investing in a in a a third party space because you're starting to outgrow your home studio. Mm. Uh, you know, those are scary, scary things. Sure. But you look at the numbers and you do it anyway because you can project and you can see what you need to do in order to have that be successful, pay it, pay the investment back, and then uh, leverage it for added profit. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, scarcity mindset. We see that all the time. We see it in the forums. Give us some examples, just in case people were not grasping those concepts. Yeah. So in money, in the context of money, I would, I think some examples of a scarcity mindset would be, um, okay, here's a good, here's a great one. That's from my, my own life. I remember, I remember before I started to do this work on myself where I would like look at books that had songs in them, Mm. you know, like anthologies or whatever. And I would only need one song from the book. And this was before like music because I'm old, right? So this was way before music (laughs) notes and like sheet music where you could only buy one song. And I would like fret about buying the one book because I was only going to use that one song. (laughs) Like so dumb, so silly. I mean, not dumb because other people have that and that's a journey everyone's on. But I look back at myself and I go, Michelle, because I would buy the book and then, of course, I would use the other songs in the book and I would discover new rap and use those other songs. And there's, and mind you, that was, what, 20 years ago when I started teaching, you know, and it's like I still have some of the books. So mm-hmm. obviously they have made their investment back. Right. Um, so that would be kind of a really specific example of mm-hmm. that. Um, what would be another example of scarcity mindset? I think Go ahead. I think my my example would be how long I waited to uh, uh, move into my own teaching studio. Like I had taught out of my mm-hmm. home for many years, but um, uh, when when we bought our house and and when we got settled in Hamilton, like the house is not conducive to having lessons so I taught at Mm -hmm. a lesson education center for so long and amazing opportunities didn't have to worry about administration but I had outgrown that place probably five years before I finally got the courage to to just be full voice out of a out of a a a, my out of the church right and I mean there was no reason why it wasn't going to be successful, so, but it was yeah. like, it was, I mean, no, that's, it was just that, that worry, like, Oh, what if I don't find students? And what if, what if it just becomes too expensive to pay the rent? And yeah, yeah. that's a good one. You know, okay. Here's a, gr- here's a good example of scarcity mindset is that your first thought when thinking about buying something or spending money is I don't have that money. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like I, and and this is a sneaky one because there is a fine, fine line between wisdom and fear. Mm. And but if our initial response is always, I don't have the money, then I think we need to listen to that. Because again, if we're in a healthy money mindset, we believe that the money will come. We just have to figure out what our responsibility in that story is in the money coming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
when we say I don't have the money and we, we immediately say no to things based on cost, Mm. you know, there again, wisdom and fear, like obviously you got to budget for things. And if, if it doesn't fit into your grand plan of what you want to do fiscally, that's a different story. But I mean, like, you don't even know your numbers. You're not really exactly sure where your money is going. You're not clear about how the money, you know, like you haven't done the work to figure out if you really do or don't have the money and you just see the number and the number freaks you out because you're not used to spending that much or investing that much or you don't, you just have a belief that, that you can't make it, Mm. make that much, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, I remember the first time someone told me many moons ago, I remember the first time someone told me, Michelle, you're going to own a six figure business someday. I just know it. How'd that make you feel? Well, first of all, let's just be clear. A six-figure business in 2019 is a very different, for for where I live in California, that doesn't take you very far. <laughs> like, like, let's right. just be very clear. Like, <laughs> right. that's, not, it's, that's not as fancy as it sounds. Um, but when I first heard it, I, I remember feeling like there's no way. Mm. There's no way. That's so much money. Right. Mm. And then as you, you know, it's like little kids when they're like, mom, the tooth fairy left me five whole dollars. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. But it's like we have to grow into this space where the numbers aren't the things that we're making decisions on. It's how the numbers are happening and the the, um, decisions we're making around the numbers. So that's really challenging. Right. Because Mm. we want to argue for our limitations. And then we want to, you know, then some of us know just enough to be dangerous, right? So they go, well, I can't teach any more hours. So therefore, I can't make any more money. (laughs) Like, uh, well, you're right that you are at capacity. There are other ways, you know, but are you willing to change? Are you willing to adapt? Are you willing to become the person that you need to become in order to get what you keep saying you want? Because you keep telling me you want to make more money. And then when I'm giving you the tools to make more money... You're kind of freaking out about that. Yeah. Let's talk about the money mindset, right? So that I think those are some good examples of scarcity. Those are, I think those are brilliant examples. And I think, I think a lot of teachers can relate to that. And uh, whether you've been teaching. And we do too. Oh gosh, all the time. I, you know, I was just going to say, I was, I was sitting here. Should I talk about this or should I not talk about this? I am just about next week. I'm sitting down with my assistant and we're going to be doing my policies for next year. And man, that scarcity mindset creeps in there. Oh, well, you know, uh, maybe, ah, that person might not be able to afford it. And, oh, I really like her daughter. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there it is. And it just creeps in. And it's, it's interesting because I would like to think that, you know, I've been teaching for almost 30 years and I have a, it's just, it creeps in no matter how many books you've read, no matter how many exercises you've done. It, it, it's always there. And you have, I love what you said about, you know, the fear creeps in and you have to go tell it to go sit down. So I'm, I recognized that it was creeping in and then I told it to go sit down. Maybe not that politely. It wasn't polite. I love that. It is so fascinating 
how much we, how many decisions, just basic business decisions we make for good or for ill that are directly related to how we feel about money. Mm-hmm. And people can pretend they don't care about money all day long. But the reality is your business is money. Mm-hmm. If you don't know the data, if you don't know the numbers, if you don't have goals with the numbers, even if they're modest goals, even if your goals are maintenance goals, right? Mm. I want to make the same. Sure. If you don't have some sort of relationship with that, with being comfortable with that, you're every time someone challenges you on your rates, every time someone questions the value, every time you know, you have to make an investment decision. Every time you go to budget, I mean, you're going to have a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to, I think we're, we are going to talk about this in a minute. I don't know if we should skip ahead now, but this idea of like, okay, we have to be able to recognize in ourselves those stories that have been told to us because we learn about how to relate to money. We learn that and we learn that from our parents Mm-hmm. mostly. Right. We learn about it from our friends, mm. our peers. Mm-hmm. We learn about it from other people in our industry. Yes. Right. And we learn about it from our teachers and our people who are significant to us. And, you know, I'm, I'm a faith-based person. I don't think I'm shy about saying that I'm a extremely liberal faith faith-based person, but let's call it out. You learn about this from your churches Mm. because, and I don't know if your listeners know I have a degree in theology, but you know, it's this reality that, you know, money is the root of all evil, but it's something that is very deeply ingrained because it's so identity driven. Mm -hmm. So that's where money lives. Money lives in the same place that the voice lives right in your identity Mm -hmm. center. So (laughs) great. That's another reason, yeah. So those are just kind of some off-the-cup philosophical things to say. But, you know, we have to get really real and dig deep and say, you know, what are some of the common sayings about money that were introduced to me by my family, by my teachers, by my peers? And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey, podcast listeners. Natalie here to talk to you about auditing your website. A studio website is your hardest-working employee. It's working around the clock, showing visitors persuasive ad copy and encourages them to sign up for lessons. However, your website's only persuasive if it's displaying up-to-date information. This means that you need to schedule some website audits throughout the year. Regularly updating your website keeps your content fresh and gives visitors a reason to keep coming back. Even small updates show that your business is still active and provides a way for people to join your teaching journey with you. Regular updates can also help with where you appear in search results. Search engines, such as Google, love fresh content. Keeping up to date or adding new content means you're less likely to slip in the rankings. So, the first tip is to start or continue to share studio events and news on your website. For those of you that don't have one, consider a studio blog. The content for a studio blog is super easy. It can be as simple as periodically sharing studio events, milestones, and student accolades. If any of your website's pages include links to other pages on your website, make sure the links are still current and valid. You don't want to be linking to a non-existent page. So, if you have any offers or registrations available on your website, make sure they are removed when the promotion is ended. The same goes with external links. If you've linked to another website in the past, be sure the link still works and update as necessary. 
Does your website still look aesthetically pleasing and modern? Is it easy to navigate? Do a quick run through of your site and make sure that it's something that attracts your target audience and flows well. The content on your website should consistently be reviewed to ensure everything is up to date and your website puts your studio's best image forward for the world to see. Make it something that you check at least quarterly. Start your 30-day free trial of My Music Staff today at www.mymusicstaff.com. Stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. By my family, by my teachers, by my peers... You know, do you have any, Nikki? Do you have any, like, when you think of, like, quotes or hmm. or things that would happen repeatedly? Well, I I have to hugs and shout out to my mom and dad. My mom and dad were entrepreneurs and business owners. And awesome. So my both my sister and I are very much of the same mindset. So the, I mean, the... Uh, you know, you have to spend money to make money. You have to, is one of them. Um, the other one that my, my father was always on is that you hire professionals in the mm-hmm, bookkeeping, mm-hmm. the accounting, your lawyers, like you don't, you don't, you know, skimp on all of that. Um, I think the best, I think the best thing that was ever, or one of the things that really spoke to me was, and I mentioned this in, I think, more than one podcast, was the accountant truth bomb that I got from Mm. Nadim. Yeah. Which was really simply, if you never look at your money, you will never have money. If sometimes you look at your money, maybe sometimes you might have some money. And if you are diligent and you are aware of your numbers and you know what the data is, you will be a successful person. And for anybody that didn't listen, I don't even know what podcast it was. I was joking with my accountant because he had handed me my taxes and I owed a whole bunch of taxes. And I was like, Nadim, this is why I can't have anything nice. And Nadim has no sense of humor. And then he dropped the truth bomb, the accountant truth bomb. And it it. was, and it was, it was what I needed. And I went home and, you know, Sean's like, oh, how was the accountant's office? And I was like, uh, well, other than the slap in the face I got, but it opened up this huge conversation. Mm -hmm. And it was true because I was sometimes looking at my money. This is is quite a few years ago. Like I would glance at it now and then and I had kind of a, you know, an uninterested snapshot of where things were rather than a a true understanding. And then the other one, the other saying that, that I loved and that really helped me was the numbers are just numbers. You don't personalize them. Yes. That was the other one that was so huge for me. Um, and numbers aren't decisions. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You don't, they're just, it's just data. You just, yep. you just need that information. It, when I'm going through money stuff with clients who had never, have never really looked at numbers before, it's so fascinating to me how much self-judgment happens. Oh, they're yeah. afraid. And I say, I can tell you're afraid. Tell me what you're afraid of. And almost, almost every time I'm going to find out that I'm spending money on stupid stuff. Mm. And I'm like, how much judgment is wrapped up in that friend? And I have to say, I don't care what you spend your money on. I don't care if you buy three bottles of nail polish a week. 
I don't care if you buy $200 worth of Starbucks. I just want you to know that you're doing it. Right. And then (laughs) once you know, you can decide if you would like, if that's valuable enough for you to continue to do it. But Mm -hmm. there's no judgment in how you spend your money. That's the other thing, right? What we should spend our money on and what we shouldn't. I shared in Speakeasy that article. Oh, yeah. That article was brilliant. Can we just talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, Because a lot of, I know a lot of my listeners are female and that was a wonderful article. Mm. And it was basically because we are, as women, we are shamed. So basically the article was go ahead and buy the latte because, you know, all the money gurus are like, you're wasting all your money on your coffees, your fancy coffees. You could be rich if you weren't so frivolous with your money. But I'll let you summarize the article because you'll probably do a better job than I will. (laughs) No, I mean, I think that's that's it. I think. I would say the point of the article was how men are conditioned to look at money versus how women are conditioned to look at money Mm -hmm. and how um, that women are very much conditioned to not make as much, not boldly ask for what they are worth and to be assumed that they are unwise Mm. with how they spend their money and that. Uh, they become emotionally involved with their money as though men don't. Right. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of people I know who use money as manipulation. Right. Let's talk, I mean, that are men, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about gift giving as manipulation, right? That's yeah. that's an emotional abuse of money. Mm. And if me going out, you know, if me going out to coffee with my girlfriend and spending $5 on a latte because I am an emotional being and I am fueled by that one-on-one connection to my soul sister and that gets me through the next couple days, how is that a waste of money? Mm. So it's this sometimes, and again, these articles are always just gross generalizations because that's what sells and, and that's kind of, you know, what's powerful about gross generalizations is we can say, yeah, Uh, But it is true and it manifests. I mean, you can just look at data around wages Mm. and you can, you know, and you can look at data even in, so in, in kind of getting ready for this podcast, I went through and I kind of like looked in the different forums I'm in and just kind of like Googled pricing, not Googled, but like Facebook searched, excuse me, pricing and money. And it's so fascinating how women do tend to have an emotional relationship and a relational relationship around what pricing is, where the men are just like, well, I just tell them this is what my rate is, and then they pay it. Like, there's an assumption mm-hmm. that that the dudes don't have to worry about it, and that the men, the women, are kind of wringing their hands. Oh no! Um, and I, I think there's some tr- kernel of truth to that. So I don't have enough data around that to really say something super smart, but I do think there's a kernel of anecdotal truth. I would also like to add into that, uh, and again, I have no data on this, but how often a female business owner is harassed for about yes. their wages versus, versus a yes. guy. Like, like if you're, if you're a guy piano teacher, a guy voice teacher and you up your rates, you know, versus a woman upping the rates, like how many of the families are going to get up in your face based on gender Mm -hmm. and how many, like I, 
raise your hand if you've been bullied by a family or a, or a client about that, you know, and, uh, yeah. I also think, and again, I have no data on this. This is just a, a observation. I always feel that sometimes our our colleagues and friends who are a little more introverted, I think people smell that and they play that and they like will know that mm-hmm. if they give that person a hard time, they're probably not going to fight back. I don't have data on that. I just find that. Yeah. Well, it's people being manipulative. Right. Um, because, full circle, people will always talk to us out of the state of their own pocketbook. Exactly. And here's proof. Why is it that some clients are like, finally, you raised your rates <laughs> and other clients are like, we can't just make $20 a month more happen. The reality is part of your ideal client, this might not be very, very popular to say, but part of your ideal client is what they will spend. When you get, when someone gets too expensive, you know, if you get quote, quote unquote, I'm doing the air quotes again, too expensive for someone, they're not, you know, they're not your ideal client anymore. Mm-hmm. This is my little thing. Can we just talk about how keeping our price, like undervaluing our lessons and keeping our prices cheap is not saving anybody? I get a lot of people that'll say to me, well, I, I'm a not for profit, which I think is not really true. Like they're not an official not for profit. They've just decided to keep their rates really low because they are, you know, doing a good deed by servicing people who are in a lower income bracket. Like, can we, that, can we talk about that? Yeah. I mean, we're getting, we're getting real deep now, right? Like we're getting into the nitty gritty because there's, there's this, this is where we start talking about how being, how having more than enough is vilified. So, and and when I say more than, again, I'm air quoting everybody, more than enough. Um, I want to just say to anyone, can I just kind of say something that I feel like I want to say, even though it's a little bit off topic to someone listening here. If you are in a place where you are raising your rates simply because you want to have more money, because you want to have a better quality of life, do it. There is no shame. There is no shame in being wealthy. There is no shame in having more than enough to pay your bills so that you can live a life that brings you joy and peace and you can have impact on the world because you use your money that is above and beyond what your basic needs are Mm -hmm. to make change in the world. You now have an opportunity to be a philanthropic person. Mm -hmm. You can change political scenes. You can change local shelters. You can change your own happiness level, which makes you happier in lessons, which makes your students happier, which makes them go home to be happier to their parents, which makes happier families. If you are on this journey and you want to raise your rates simply because you want more money, that is okay. Permission granted. I love that. Thank you so much for saying that. I think it needs to be said. And I, I think in just reiterating what you said there, we do good work. If you are in the private music studio and you are providing people a safe place and you are nurturing students of all ages, like it is such 
it's such important work. We're not just giving them singing lessons. We are, like you said, if they leave our studios and they feel confident and happy and inspired, Mm. why would we not be able to go home and enjoy our families and a vacation and, you know, invest? You know, I wanted to tell you because your son's in um, baseball. (laughs) But my son is. My son's baseball team is now sponsored by Full Voice Music. <laughs> right? And I was, I, that made me... I, was, <laughs> I love it! Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. But and, and it made me feel good because this, is, this isn't like the rep ball. This is like community baseball. And they were short. They, were, they didn't have enough sponsors this year. They did not have enough sponsors. So some of the teams weren't going to get new uniforms like that, that they run a very tight ship and they, they, they offer all these amazing workshops for the kids. And I thought, you know, I know it really is not even for promotional reasons. Like nobody's going to look at the back of my son's shirt and go, Hey, I, I I wonder if I need some singing lessons. Exactly. (laughs) But I mean, just being able, just being able to do that. I, and support, you know, I, you know, my son and his team and, and that, that league. I mean, that, that makes me feel good. And I wouldn't be able to do that like five years ago. But I did also tell them that I'm going to get like that big boss hog hat and the rings and put like the horns on the front of the van. <laughs> and I teased his coach. I was like, it's like, John, we got to talk about the team this year. I got to see some results. And that anyhow. He, I don't think he found it as funny as I did, but I found it funny. I find it. Right? Fabulous. Hilarious. And then, of course, I told my son, I own you. <laughs> so really, that's why I did it. <laughs> that's really why you did it for even more parental authority mm-hmm. other than just simply being his parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and I also, like, in the, in the previous years, I've sponsored the local music festivals. Like, you give back you get to give back and it feels good and you're helping others whether it's an arts group a sports group a school whatever yeah i love it Ooh, what's next on our on our little loose outline yes okay so i would like do you said you had a really good exercise for money mindset can you can you leave everybody with something if they're thinking they need to put some some effort and love into this what would you what would you have them do so my favorite 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 exercise because it's really powerful is from a book um i have two book recommendations to make bouncing off that women women stuff um so this this exercise is from one of a book that i enjoy Uh, it's a little bit woo if you're into that, but there's a ton of great exercises and it is the book You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Love that. I had and the audio book and I laughed. Mm-hmm. Good stories so, in there. So many good stories and she's got a fun voice to listen to too. Mm-hmm. Like it's really yes, unique. It's just a fun voice. So it took me a while as, to get used to her. I was like, hmm, I got it. This- yeah, it it's definitely a unique voice, but if you like unique voices, she reads her own audiobook, and that's a good one. But she has an exercise in there called uh, writing a letter to money. Oh, and yes. this is such a powerful exercise, and it takes great vulnerability and great self honesty. And what you do is you personify money as though 
their person, you write them a letter about how you feel about them mm. and your relationship to them. And it that is life-changing. So for example, let, let me think of an example. Oh, I'll give you an example of one that I that I did maybe about a year ago. And it was so eye-opening. Dear Money, I am afraid that if I am not hospitable enough to you, you will leave. Mm. That if I don't make your bed just right and have clean towels and the right shampoo, that if I don't do absolutely everything right, you will find some other place to go visit. Wow. I want to be nice to you, but I always feel like there's a wall in between us. I feel like you're like un unapproachable. And when you really make money a person and you start to process through how you really feel about money, holy cabooses, that thing. That's going to stir up some feelings, right? It stirs Mm. it up. And, and then, you know, I had a, I had an event and it went really well. And, um, I was able to, you know, offer my services and those things were accepted and paid for. And then I got to write another letter and say, dear money, I'm so grateful that you are here, but Mm. I'm still afraid you're going to (laughs) leave. I'm still afraid, even though you're here, even though you've promised me that you're here, even though you told me you're here to stay, I really don't believe you. I don't trust you yet. Mm. You know, now my letters are more like, dear money, excuse me, we had an arrangement. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you, money? (sighs) We had an arrangement. You promised me some things based on my choices and my plan. And you didn't show up the way that you said you were going to show up. So where do we need to have a conversation about that? I love that. Right. But that's a real, I mean, that's real, right? Because, you know, and it shows a shift even in my own thinking about how in one area, what am I doing? I'm placating. I'm bowing down. I'm submissive to the mm-hmm. person of money. And in the other, we're equals. Nice. We need to have a conversation. What are you doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? I love that. Yeah. Now- so do that exercise. The yeah. other um, exercise, can I do one more? Yeah, is absolutely. going through and writing down like 10 or 15 um, money cliches, idioms, and, um, you know, sentences or whatever that just immediately come to mind. Don't overthink it. Mm -hmm. Just write them down from your memory and that, and then read through them and realize how much are in the camp of abundance Mm. and how much in the camp of scarcity. That's a great (laughs) exercise. What? What you remember is what you believe. Well, it's in your subconscious, right? Right, right. It's in your subconscious. I believe in, in the most broadest of terms. But it's it's in there. And so then you can say, okay, like, you know, like you were saying, you know, you got to spend money to make money. Hmm. Okay, well, that might be in more of the prosperous abundance area. Or like money doesn't grow on trees. Hmm. Huh. Right? Like that Mm -hmm. might be a little bit more in the fear 
And you just, you start to really think, what is this? Then I would, the third exercise is, what did my parents teach me about money Mm. in their words and in their actions? And then once you write that down and you see that, repeating to yourself, I am not my parents. Nice. I am not my parents. I am not my parents. I was in, and I mean, this is everything, right? It's not just money mindset to get all super deep. But um, I was in a family systems course in grad school. And I remember just clear as day, this professor, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but it's this idea. He stood up there and he said, here's the deal. The problem with your parents is that they had parents. The problem with you is that you have parents. <laughs> and the problem with your children, should you have choose to have them, is that you are their parent. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, and everyone's kind of giggling and laughing, but it's it's this idea that we learn so much subconsciously ingrained from that early. And this is child, I mean, this child development 101, right? Like Mm -hmm. we all know now kind of in popular culture, even that there's so much research out there about that early developmental understanding of money. Mm. And, you know, God bless my parents. We were not wealthy at all growing up. And my mom for good, I mean, in no way did she intend to do this in a negative way, but she was always like, I'm so grateful that we have enough. Mm. I'm so grateful that we have enough. And it made only enough, like enough was the goal. Right. Right? Like you don't need more. You shouldn't need more. Um, more isn't important. Hmm. <laughs> right? And it's like, that's not negative. Like, yes, you should always have enough. You should be able to pay your bills, you know? Yes. Um, but it's funny how just those little, little things get taught to us unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that, that also taught me to be extremely grateful for when it was enough and, and even more grateful for when it's more than enough. Right. But, but there was also that little negative subconscious thing too. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we went off. Was that good with the exercises? That I was, think those that are good. Was- those are amazing exercises i'm gonna put a link to the you're a you're a badass at making money to that book but you had another book that you wanted to recommend to everyone two things two things actually i want to do a shout out to so um the other book is the abundance code the abundance code by julie and kyams c-a-i-m oh no karen c-a-i-r-n-s okay and the reason why is because these are women, like mm-hmm. women, 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 women kind of things, uh, written books. And then I want to give a shout out to um, Speakeasy member and friend of ours, Petra Raspel, mm-hmm. who I believe is in the middle of creating a money mindset kind of challenge program thing. She's a a psychologist that deals, um, that helps creatives and voice teachers with like mindset. I've had her come to the how to run your voice business without hating your boss course Mm -hmm. uh, twice. And we're launching the third version of that. It's a whole new program. Uh, We're selling it now, but it'll start July 1st. And, um, you know, I'm, I gotta go nudge her 
poke mm-hmm. her in the side and, and have her come again. But she and I see eye to eye on so many things, but she, she has the benefit of having that psychology underpinning. Nice. Right. So all the mindset stuff. And mm-hmm. so she's a great resource to reach out to as well. If that's like a specific journey you want to take in addition to whatever business coaching or continuing education and voice you're doing this I love that. Well, I'm going to put links to all those books and to Petra's course and to your course, How to Run Your Business Without Hating Your Boss. Uh, I I can't thank you enough. And um, I just wanted to let everybody know that uh, uh, we are wrapping up our podcast season next week. And I thought that it would be most appropriate because I I just love all of this stuff. And as I am, I am wrapping up my teaching season and many teachers, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, are moving from their spring season into summer and things are changing. You and I, you're coming back next week and we're talking about looking at like looking at the business and crunching the numbers. We're specifically... Oh, yeah. So we've addressed the mindset first, which I think had to happen. But now we're going a little bit more specifically into Mm -hmm. looking at the numbers, crunching the numbers, looking at how we're going to project and grow our businesses. So you're coming back next week. So I'm excited. So I'm, I'm not so really excited. I'm not really saying goodbye. It's just like I'll talk to you later. <laughs> do you remember that I love 80s music? Mm, I do. I love 80s music. Turn around. Oh my gosh. Do you remember the video for that? With the creepy yeah, eyes? I, I the mean, creepy eyes? There's really no better song. Except when a seven year old wants to sing it. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. That's all. And end on season million of voice podcasts. We'll, we'll talk about inappropriate repertoire for people under 13. <laughs> that would just be a fun podcast. Like all the songs that you've had singers sing that should have never sung them. And yes. yeah, it would be fun because you could do it from the perspective of because I didn't know better at the time, right? Like things, things that I, oh my gosh, man, early in my teaching career, the thing, some of the things that I assigned. And then now I look back and I'm like, please never anyone ever tell anyone that I ever assigned <laughs> that ever. Well, um, I, that, that we won't, we won't talk about appropriate repertoire assignments next week. We're going to talk more about just business related things, yeah, but that would do. be a, that would be a, f- I'm going to write that down future podcast. So next week you're returning to the podcast. We're finishing out the season. Thank you for joining me and wrapping up this really amazing podcast season, but we're talking about diving in, looking at our numbers and just really owning and being the beastie boss business people that we need to be. A very, very special thank you to my dear friend, Michelle, for a wonderful conversation. Now, as I mentioned, I am wrapping up the podcast. The third season podcast is coming to an end. Fear not, we've already started working on our fourth season. So many great interviews are lined up. Great topics for you 
and your teaching studio. Now, I want to give a shout out to the fine folks at My Music Staff for the My Music Staff Minute. If you have not checked out My Music Staff, you can do so free for 30 days. And if you are investing in new resources for your teaching studio, please visit our website and check out the Happy Singing Teacher Box. It's all our resources at a discounted price, plus the new singing lesson, practice planner, and journal. So much fun. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Thank you for listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and teacher resources, please visit our website at thefullvoice.com. Made by Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca.